Hello once again, Dave. Ian, how you doing? I am well, and hello, Andrea. Welcome to hello. The, welcome to whatever this is. This podcasty thing is yeah. what yeah. people seem, seem to think. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. This is uh, our Dave and I's excuse to, to see each other for an hour every week. Uh, welcome everyone to Apex Adjacent. Uh, we have Andrea with us, who is uh, just an all-around great car person, and um, you know, uh, Twitter weird car Twitter uh, personality mainstay. Yes, we'll go with that mainstay. That's the word I was looking for. Um, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna just get right into a license plate game because I feel like this is a good way. I feel like Dave's idea of this license plate game is like the perfect way to like really get into somebody's psyche really quickly. Uh, so that's what we're going to do. So basically we're going to show you three cars with vanity plates, but the vanity plates will be blocked out and then we'll give you the text of the vanity plates and you have to match them to the car. Okay. Right. Like highlights magazine, draw the line. And, uh, this really rewards just gross generalization and stereotyping of people like this. That's really what it does. <laughs> it does a good job of. Oh no. Oh, uh, have you ever, before we start, have you ever had a vanity license plate? Where, where do you stand on this? Yes, actually. Um, I'm not necessarily opposed to them. Like some people are, but I have had one, um, on my previous 500 of Barth. I actually, um, the license plate on it was Slytherin. So, yeah, a little bit on the nerdy side of things, but there were some misinterpretations that led to some jokes that were bizarre back in the day. (laughs) But it's been a while since I had that. (laughs) Okay. It was was a a running joke for sure. But Uh no, it's Um, S-L-T-H-R-N. So, yeah, obviously S-L-T being a girl (laughs) kind of led to some jokes. So (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, whatever. I mean, if that thing starts leaking oil, that's just really bad then, right? Because then, then it's no good. Uh, the first one never leaked any. The second one had a brief coolant leak. Um, and I just had to, like, tighten some stuff down, basically. Yeah. So that was the only leakage going on. That's um, good. <laughs> right? I, <laughs> I'm learning that you've had multiple abarths. So, yeah. Yes, I have. Oh, no, boy. for sure. Like, I have the tattoo and everything. So. Oh my God, that's amazing! <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Oh, we'll we'll be getting into that for sure. <laughs> r- r- real quick, I I do want to say before we start this license plate game, we wanted to have you on the show for many many reasons. But if you want to sum it up, it's because I think Ian and I want to be you when we grow up. <laughs> like like looking at your cars, what you do. All that stuff, like we uh, were fans. So the yeah, well, <laughs> I, I am honored. Um, I'm blushing slightly, but yeah, that's I'm honored. What can I say? No, no problem. <laughs> Just wanted to get that out there. So yeah. So okay, license plate game. So I these usually have titles. So this one is well, I guess at least they own it. So here we go. All right. Oh no, I uh, left a layer. Uh, this one from Dana here. It's okay. There's no a- there's no answers answers being exposed here. So okay, yeah. So Ian- and to be clear, I have not seen these as either. So we are we're a team here, so we okay. can kind of talk through it together. All right. Um, so let's just start by Dave. Do you or uh, Andrew? Do you want just want to describe to the people what we're seeing so far? Um, 
It appears to be some sort of, the top one would be some sort of terrible, oh God, I don't even, I want to throw up in my mouth a little bit. Um, <laughs> maybe some wow. flavor of Gene Wagon or some sort of terrible, God only knows, just bad, bad news. Let's just start but with. I respect that apparently they have, you know, some sort of lawn care company, so I can respect the need to tow a trailer. But uh, with that vehicle, I'm not quite so sure. Well, based on what we can see of the license plate, I think we can definitely conclude that this is the official state vehicle of Florida. Um, <laughs> potentially, potentially. Um, yeah. I'm going to bet there's a salvage title on this. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, yeah. just, it just, it's kind of scream salvage title, not going to lie. Yeah. So what we're looking at, we're, we got a, a white wrangler four-door with the hard top color match hard top but we've got a lot of bright yellow neon what are like neon highlighter like yellow. tennis ball yellow yeah tennis right? ball yellow that's a yeah highlights around it like the mirror caps and the hinges on the rear glass and where the fender flares used to be i guess and then yeah. some horrendous wheels really bad yeah yeah and then it's it's towing a trailer full of lawn care equipment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And oh our, my God. Our buddy Dana sent us that one from Florida. So thank you, wow. Dana. Okay. I assume okay. there's just an alligator in driving that car. <laughs> like, that's what's happening. Okay. Uh, and then what? We got like a bog standard Mercedes C300. Yeah. I, yeah. Man, I don't even, I can't even think. First of all, I can see it's a Colorado plate. So, like, being from Colorado originally myself and very proud of that fact, as Coloradans often are, um, I don't want to be too much of a hater because I want to trust that they're <laughs> a sensible, good person. Because um, I believe that all of us Colorado folks are, but ah, it's just really boring. Really, yeah. really boring. This is a car, like, I would see it at work. And just like I would, wouldn't even think about it. I would just process it straight through, and just my ability to care would be non-existent at best, unless it had some <laughs> fantastic breakage. Right. It's described best as a car. Yes. Yes. It is a quantity of car. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Okay. okay. All, All right. right. Okay. Then lastly, we've got this here. Yeah. Yeah. I wore. I shaved my facial hair into this configuration and wore this hat in honor of this car. I, I don't normally I can, I can see that for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, dearie, dearie me. Yes. But again, I can't be too much of a hater because my husband has an STI. So there's, there is a little bit of Subaru in this house. So I'm, okay. You know, All right. I try okay. to respect you know, okay. other people's life choices. Right, so it's a, it's a, we've got a red WRX sedan, a newer, that's a newish one looks yeah. like. And, yeah, it's, it's, a, some it's not an flaps. STI, but it has STI looks, tailpipes, right? I was going to say, it looks like they, they were poorly put on. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what's the angle of the photo, but they, the depth on one side is definitely, it's it looks a little hinky, we'll put it that way. Yeah. yeah. Let's be, be charitable and assume that it was a bad angle on the photo. Because yeah. it, could, it could be. Yep. I try um, to see the best people. Yeah. Yeah, because there's a lot to see the worst in people in the rest of the pictures. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Florida man. Yeah, I think yeah. he wins on this one for the worst. Yeah, so we've got it's, right. Cal- it's California plate. It's got one of those you looked. Uh, yeah, the stickers. circle game thing. Yeah. 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 And then we've got some, I'm assuming these are mod companies or something. Yeah, some tinted taillights. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, why would anybody ever want to see a brakes? Right. <laughs> I, I never want right. to see that on cars in front of me. Who are we kidding? Brake right. lights are for yeah. normies anyway. It's, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, and then some, like, uh, poorly, some some questionable carbon fiber choices, I would say. Yeah, that okay. that uh, hood um, grip area being carbon fiber saving yeah. you so much. Yeah, so yeah. much. Yeah. And don't, don't forget the, the little, don't forget the little arrow bits on top. Of oh this yes, well, yes. Always a nice touch with your Subaru. Mm-hmm. Also oh, with but I'm I'm sorry to interrupt. We I think we have a little bit of a delay, but uh, I think your first assessment about the craftsmanship of some of these mods might have been right on because if you look at where it gaps, <laughs> where the gaps are. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. This is like all warped through here. Yeah. It's real. Yeah. Bad. And if, if you look on the driver's side, the rear corner of that piece, you can see it lifting up there as well. Yeah. yeah. So it there's looked- there's some shonky installation here. I, I will say this was seen in Colorado. And yeah. so, you know, our home they state. They got to get out. I'm sorry. Get out. They got to get out. <laughs> out right now. They can go out with all the rest of the Texans. I don't know. We'll just ship them back to their original state. It looks like I put it on. Like, that's not good. <laughs> don't be that harsh on yourself. Come on. Oh, I don't know. It's, I'm, I, I'm the mechanic. I'm the mechanic. <laughs> yeah, Dave is the mechanic. He's seen me apply stickers to things, and it doesn't go well. Ooh, He's uh, the driver. I'm the mechanic. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So let's, let's, let's get the text of these things. Yeah, the plates. Okay. All right. First off on the plates. Oh, okay. Uh, yep. We have head gasket. H-E-D-G-S-K-T. That's got to be the Subaru. That's got to be the Subaru. That's <laughs> what I'm thinking, too. That's what I'm thinking, too. I like it. Mm. All right. Then we have, I'm going to say clickbait. C-L-C bait. B-A-I-T. Uh-huh. And then lastly, we have T-S-B. TSB. I don't know what bulletin. Hmm. What was that, Andrea? Could you repeat that? TSB, Technical Service Bulletin. So that's one step basically below like recall. recall. It's like, well, if this happens, like we kind of have a fix for it and we know it's a thing. Uh So kind of in that neighborhood. It's also it's also a thing in the IT world as well. Um is companies will release TSBs. Okay, that makes sense. And and it's kind of a, like at least in the automotive world. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but like it's kind of on the customer to show up with the yes. with this issue. They're not mm-hmm. going to go out and find you to chase down like no, these TSB don't. fixes. No, they're not sending out letters like they would with a recall. Um, right. I mean, obviously, everybody's at this point has probably had a recall on at least one car in their life and they kind of know how that game goes looking at you mercedes right now um (laughs) (laughs) but yeah tsp is basically it's like well if this happens and kind of we know it's a thing and well you gotta show up and it's more on the customer to be proactive on that i guess and you kind of have to do a little bit of your own research on it so my favorite thing about that is besides the onus being on the customer is like what if it's something that prevents the customer from even getting their car to the dealer <laughs> like they're like the problems fixed itself <laughs> I, right. I had a, a cayenne that was sort of in that neighborhood a little bit earlier this week and i think i got a guy a new transfer case um, oh okay so yeah yeah that was fun just nice. tell him you know like, hey so porsche didn't recall this strictly but 
you can get a new transfer case. Oh. So, uh, yeah, some of those Cayennes, I think that one was a 17 and like 16 through 18s have an extended warranty on them, we shall call it, where basically, you know, if you have transfer case problems and this one was absolutely showing all the symptoms, it's like, guess what? You get a free new transfer case. Oh, man. Yeah, so. How much money did you save that gentleman? A couple thousand dollars, probably, but also there's like a pretty hefty weight at our local Porsche dealer. Um, I'm up here in Boise, so we only have the one, and there's quite a few Porsches in town that people need service for. So, you know, unfortunately, he'll, he'll probably have to wait a little while to get it. Um, but it's like, it's kind of worth saving a couple thousand dollars, basically. So, yeah, right, yeah, definitely. Yeah, even if you have to rent a car for a month, I mean, you're yeah. still going to come out on top, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, we could do it for you if you want. If you really don't want to wait that long, totally understandable. But, you know, it's pretty obvious. It's like, yeah, just go get your free transfer case. That's such like, that's so great to be able to deliver news like that to people. I love it. That's that's my favorite when I can tell people, you know, that some, something has gone good. Yeah. So often it's like, congratulations, it's dead. Right. right. And we're going to get to that. Yeah. yeah. Every once in a while, it's nice to be able to deliver some good news. Right. Yeah. Okay, back to the license plates. Yes. Okay. Yes. So what I want to, I want your, your gut. So talk us, I want your gut. Like, it's going to Florida man and TSB is going to the Merck. Okay, what's your what's your reason? You you had any any thoughts? What's your I mean, clickbait for I mean, for the love of all, it's holy. Look at that thing. It was <laughs> built to anger people on the internet. So I would definitely say, I mean, when your wheels are basically in the next county compared to where the body is located, um, yeah, I'm gonna go with that one. Was built for the internet and is therefore clickbait. Just for people to hate it. Um, and for the Mercedes, I'm guessing it's probably somebody's initials or something really boring like that um, to go with the general boredom of ye old standards, entry level executive Mercedes. Okay. So that's where I'm going. Yeah, I'm, I'm exactly where you are. I think the only difference in my reasoning is that I don't I'm not giving the Jeep owner enough credit to think that they're capable of trolling. I think they genuinely think that thing looks really good. And the lawn care thing is like a side hustle that they have. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I was going to say the same thing that I think TSB is actually just somebody's initials and it's just really boring vanilla explanation and head gasket. Come on. I was going to say that's just a gimme, but it it has to be. All right. Well here, are the answers boom you guys got it right head gasket of course good job andrea here we are (laughs) (laughs) clickbait oh thank you dana i mean i guess thank you dana also screw you dana for making us look at this that's the most florida shit i've ever seen (laughs) so my my coworker tara i forgot to to put thanks tara on this she's the one that saw this tsb mercedes right it, like what percentage of the chance of a chance do you think that there is that the person like didn't accidentally happen across tsb like they did it because it's a mercedes and like just kind of like a little mechanic in joke or mercedes in joke tsb what percentage 
Mm, pretty slim, I'm going to say. Really? Like, That's, I thought they did, but... My, my, my experience with Mercedes owners is, like, they tend to be on the more bland side of things. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I should specify that where I work, we deal with BMW, Mini, Mercedes, and Porsche. So that's what I'm dealing with every day. And the Mercedes owners, with rare exceptions, there are exceptions to every rule, um, but I would say they tend to be the, the most staid and comfortable Okay. Oh, so, you know, they, they tend to be a little bit on the bland side of things. They're a little okay. bit in the white rice neighborhood. Um, they're not very flavorful. They're <laughs> I put some butter in there and it's pretty pretty standard and boring. Gotcha. So that's why I'm going to that one. I don't think they're gonna be really on that. Okay. So okay. we we have a we have another friend of the show named Chris. Uh Chris Chris White. We've had him on and and or we haven't had him on. No. He went carding with him. That's what it was. <laughs> anyway, he used to send us pictures. He used to be a service uh manager at a Mercedes uh uh, mm-hmm. dealership in Oklahoma city and Oklahoma city is one of those places where the, like all the businesses and stuff are downtown and but everybody who's wealthy lives pretty mm-hmm. far out. And yeah. when he was coming up, he, one of his jobs was he would drive people home, you mm-hmm. know, from the, from when they would drop their car off. And as he was driving them out of the city, which they never came into other than to drop their car off, he he would he would make up like fake facts about the you know because they were all like rich oblivious people (laughs) you know because they would just show up with their car and then be like oh how do i get home you know it wasn't like they like made a plan or whatever they just would just show up and be like okay i'm here now i want to be there make it happen you know that sort of thing right and and so one of his one of my my favorite things was he told there was like an old abandoned hotel in Oklahoma City, and he would pass it on the way to the highway every time, and he would just say, "Oh, that hotel. Do you guys, do you know that that is where Nixon laid low after Watergate?" And they would always go, "Huh, interesting," <laughs> which is just it was obviously not true. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that, that, that's kind of entertaining i have to admit that's i mean if you're gonna just quietly messing with people that's kind of fun it's a little way yeah yeah right? just a fake city tour and you can just imagine a mercedes owner in their khakis like slightly a couple minutes late for their tea time like believing that right. yeah yeah kind of buying it not really sure but kind yeah. of going with it right Right. Yes, yeah. I could buy and sell this kid. I don't care. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, okay. So we we just we got to get into your fleet of cars. Like yeah. let's let's please run us down to what the garage contains. Let's start with the let's start with the Abarth thing because you you've had two five hundreds. Yes. What happened with the first one that convinced you that the second one was a good idea? That's what I want to know. <laughs> okay. So, um, I, so the first one I had, um, I actually kind of maybe put it upside down at autocross. Um, Wait, what? 
Yeah, I autocross my Fiat 500 to Barth, Andrea. This is just this and isn't he, something that could happen. Look how yes, red I turned. Um, <laughs> I, I, up I, so high. <laughs> I would say it was a bit of a perfect storm issue. Um, there were a lot of things that kind of came into confluence together that caused it. Um, basically, I had just started hill climbing the year before. So once I decided I wanted to get into that more, um, especially because there was a significant incident at the hill, um, I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, if I want to focus on this more, I need to do something about safety of this car. So I had a roll bar put into it and that ended up strangely being a good idea. Um, (laughs) But I had that, I had some nice new sticky tires on it. It was a little bit of iffy pavement, a little bit of bad driving, little bit of course design so there there were a lot of factors that went into it um but yeah i did a full 360 in the not like usually autocross like this is normal this is not normal um so i did the non-normal version and it yeah it, it was not fun but i was uninjured obviously um all was good there pretty much like there was never a thought of getting a different car because that was it was basically a daily racer at that point like daily driver raced on weekends just the general everything i'd kind of started you know modifying it a little bit it was it was a little bit lowered and i had a rear sway bar in it things like that it was stx prep um for the for the scca nerds out there it was (laughs) stx class um back when you could I don't think Abarth's actually are in STX anymore, but in any case, um, it had been set up for that. And yeah, it just went upside down and <laughs> then we put it on a trailer and then I got another one and <laughs> it was the same year. The only real change was it was gray. Um, Did you autocross the second one? Briefly, yes. Um, but I also realized that maybe this isn't necessarily the greatest platform to be doing this with. So that's kind of when my MR2 happened. I actually got my MR2, well, the body of my MR2, the same day that I got my second Abarth. So I called them my twins there for a little while. Whoa, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it, it just it was as luck happened to have it on that one. But in the intervening events between the two, I raced my Corvette for a little while, by which I mean like one event. Um, I raced my friend's rotary powered Tramps Pitfire, which was really Whoa. fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was w- when he's like, yeah, just launch it at five grand. I'm like, excuse me, launch it at what? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was really fun. Um, you know, that was, that was definitely quite kind of him. Cause I was coming back from, you know, crashing obviously. And it's like, here, take my race car right after you crashed. Wow. Uh, gee, thank you. Okay. That's brave of you. Um, but yeah. And then I did think that help you though? Did, did that help? Yes. Um, I mean, with that, it was very much a built race car. So, you know, it had a cage in it and everything. It felt very safe, very secure. But there's still kind of the psychological aspect of when you feel the car, the weight transfer and yeah. loading in different ways, it kind of triggers something in your brain where you're like, you have this kind of physical physical reaction to it. And then you're like, wait a minute, no, this nothing's going to happen in this car. It's perfectly fine. So there's you have to kind of control your thoughts that way. Well, um, that's... It was probably a good like confidence rebuilder to kind of get you back yeah. into into things. I yeah, mean, for sure. And it, it was yeah. nice, you know, for a friend to show that kind of faith in me. Yeah, which was, that's awesome. That was very sweet of him. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So then I 
got a, another 500 to Barth, and then, you know, my MR2 was in the process of being built for, <clears throat> it had a difficult birth. It was like a year and a half. Um, but yeah, it was, and that's what I race now. Okay. 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 Well, I, before, I, we, before, we, move on to another, before we move on to another question, uh, we need to do a quick, Dave, how are, how are you feeling right now? <laughs> you doing okay? I'm a little scared, Andrea. You see, why are you afraid? Shook a little bit because I drive the wheels off of my Abarth no, at autocross. That's great. No, that that's fantastic. I actually I have um, some friends sort of in our little Fiat family who also race autocross in Abarths, and I mean, I'm the only one that's really done anything stupid. So it was just. Like I said, it was a perfect storm, and I have since raced 500 Abarths in autocross as well as hill climb. Um, feel very comfortable with them, and I miss doing that dearly. Okay. I would do it again in a heartbeat. Um, it's just a matter of all of the factors came into play all at once, and it added up into not working out very well. <laughs> but it was it was not something that I feel would necessarily happen regularly. And I, I do feel that <laughs> the SCCA is pretty smart about it. Okay. And yeah, they, if you have a car that's going to be a rollover risk, they mitigated against, against it pretty well. So, okay. I know yeah, you I can't, you can't even show up in a regular 500. They're just like, no, those are going to yes, roll yeah. period. Um, they do have to be modified. Right. But you can actually show up in a regular 500 Abarth so long as it has been lowered enough to fit within the rules. And I I want to say they like are in STH or whatever street touring hatchback. H now. Yeah. 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 Something of that nature. I know they're H street in the street form for an Abarth. But when you do a regular 500, it's yeah street touring hatchback or something like that. Yeah. Okay. How how high did my voice get? It got pretty high. So I got high. pretty so high. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna say I I'm autocrossing on the uh, in uh, not this coming weekend but the next weekend, and uh, yeah, because I saw another tweet that you had put out about rolling a, a Fiat before, right? Yeah. And <laughs> and also knowing someone else that has rolled a Fiat, I think, or maybe it's like a thing. yeah. Yeah, right. So I mean, it's it's right? a meatball. It's gonna roll. I mean, yeah, absolutely. It's you know, and the just the way it is, you do have significant amounts of body roll. Yeah, um, and they are very very front heavy. So before you roll, you'll tend to endo a little bit. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's just part of the right. game. <laughs> Okay, is it hot in here? Are, like, <laughs> hang on, I gotta turn up the air conditioning. Um, okay? okay, okay, all right. I can keep autocrossing my. I, I, I. So I, the Fiat wheel size or wheel bolt pattern is weird. It's like four by ninety-eight, right? Yeah. So I have I have spacers that adapt it to four by one hundred. So at least like. My little boy is like squat, you know, a little bit further out. My tires are not great. I'm just like burning them off this season, you know. So mm -hmm. I think it's going to take a very bizarre set of circumstances for me to roll. Like it's something I've thought about more on my winter tires than I have in autocross form. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would say that's fair. And as long as you're not, you know, smacking into a curb or something like that, okay. you're, you're pretty safe. So. Okay. Okay. All right. 
Yeah. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be fine, Dave. You're gonna be fine. You're okay. You're okay. Okay. So your MR2. Let's yes. let's talk about your MR2 because this thing looks amazing. Thank yeah, you. it is black, red accents, red uh, decals. It's a Gen One. So talk to us about how you happen across the MR2, like what it took to get it going, and and how how you like it. Well, it's first of all, it's an amazing car. It's it's so much fun. Um, so. I'd, I'd seen them on the street, you know, just kind of casually years before that I, before I started racing, uh, it was always like a 180 degree neck break for, for me. I was like, what is that? That's just really cool. Every time I saw one and be like, oh, MR2. And then when I started racing, um, there was a, a guy there that like his car looked really cool, but I'm married. He was married at the time, you know, so it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you kind of stay a little standoffish, just keeping some proper space and just be like, yeah, I think your car's really neat. I think it looks gorgeous. It's really cool. It's really fast, you know, no big deal. And then my first hill climb came around. He was racing at that as well. That thing was flying up the hill, let me tell you. And then about, it would have been about 10 seconds after he passed my worker station, he was in a very severe um, off, basically. Oh, he no. hit a tree at about 93 miles an hour um he did not have a cage in the car and it's amazing that he survived actually um it's a little bit hard to talk about honestly because afterwards he he became my best friend afterwards um but yeah he was in the hospital for a while in an induced coma came back around and i was like when you're ready to see it i have video of your car just before you crash because i had been taking video of the cars going past and he was like, yeah, I want to see it right now. And I was like, okay, this dude's kind of crazy. He's literally laying in a hospital bed and he wants to see his car right before it almost killed him. Okay, dude, you're weird, but go for it. So I sent it to him, you know, and we just, you know, would chat every once in a while. Um, but eventually he had some issues in his personal life and he just kind of like started spilling his guts about that a little bit to me, just in conversations. Um, and then after I crashed my Abarth, which was probably uh, nine, ten months after that, it was the next season. I was like, "Well, I obviously need a new, a new race car. Maybe not doing it as an Abarth. This is kind of an opportunity to split between race car and daily driver." It's like, well, I, you know, kind of toying with ideas. And I was like, I really, really like AW11 MR2s. And this dude really, really builds really, really cool ones. So I kind of got in contact with him like, hey, um, I really liked your car. And obviously I need a new car. So kind of let's let's get a plan going for one. And pretty quickly we came together. Um, we decided to put a 4AGE blacktop into it, which is out of a late 90s Japanese Corolla, 11 Corolla. Um, so good old eBay engine. Okay. Uh, but, mm-hmm. um, so it, it has some nice, you know, kind of upgraded internally bits just to kind of make it nice. We took the turbo off of my 500 Abarth, the 1446, and slapped that in there. So it has a lot of custom fabrication to make that work. Okay. Um, and then also the exhaust on it, we made it 
we used um, some leftover 500 Barth exhaust tips and made yes. it a Barth hill. Yes, as you can see, one has fallen off at the hill climb, <laughs> as is true Fiat tradition. Um, the, Fiat and, bar, the, the Fiat the Fiat are just excising themselves. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's, you know, it was just the car knew that it needed to do some weight reduction to do the best possible run. And that's what fell off. And I got my best run then. And I was handed my last tip when I came back down the hill. <laughs> you could use it as the chalk the next time around. Basically, yeah. If I had wanted to, I kind of could have done that. Um, yeah. It's currently living on top of the pop machine that you can see there next, that lives next to the car. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's, Usually my trophies live up there, but for right now the exhaust tip is living up there. Um, so I I definitely want to address the FD RX7 at some point, but um, yeah, I have questions about that that R2. So yeah. first of all, that that eBay engine was that did that come from Japan or was it already here and had been used in something else here already? No, it was out of a Japanese junkyard. Someone, somebody in Florida on eBay imported it and then just resold it into America. And I was the crazy person who purchased it. Nice. So, I bet yes. I know I bet I know what vehicle they picked it up from the port in. <laughs> uh, that Jeep Wrangler. <laughs> they have a trailer. <laughs> mr clickbait I, engine, engine delivery yeah mr clickbait gave, yeah. gave me that engine but it, in any case it's been a fairly solid engine there's been a spot actually two spun rod bearings whoa but yeah it's it's okay everything's okay um <laughs> as you can see my voice goes up too in the memory of that um yeah it's it's kind of it's painful when you find out that happens but you know life goes on you rebuild yeah. it you do it again mm -hmm. so we can between my bestie and i we can drop the engine out of that sucker well he can drop the engine out of that sucker i can kind yeah. of like <clears throat> stand by and hold a screwdriver <laughs> um he can drop it in like three hours like he, he can take an engine out of an mr2 like it's nothing so okay i will say i really appreciate the optimism that it takes to say this engine's been been great. There's only been a couple of spun rod bearings. <laughs> it's very similar to being like, hey, how's it going with that theater you owned? Oh, it's awesome. Only a few fires. <laughs> yeah. No, that's it's it's painful on your soul when it happens, but I mean things happen in racing. That's just it yes. is what it is. Yeah. And you you pretty quickly learn to accept that. And you know, it's how, how is your friend? How long ago was the accident? And is he is he back? That would have been about five and a half, almost six years ago now. Um, so he was in a wheelchair for a while because he had 20 some odd breaks between his ankles and his hips. Um, it was pretty Whoa. severe. He was in a wheelchair for a little while um, and then worked his way up after a while. About a year later, he walked across the Brooklyn Bridge. Wow. So that was, okay. yeah, it was pretty amazing. Um, and he actually owns a small shop here in Boise. Um, he's a Toyota specialist and it's, it's been pretty amazing to watch. And he's, he's really an amazing guy. Like That's really I'm cool. very proud to call him my best friend. He's amazing. That's so, awesome. That's so great. Yeah. So he, you know, he builds amazing cars and does really cool stuff and you know he has a really cool rock crawler that he takes out into the mountains here and all sorts of stuff so he's, he's a good awesome. dude 
Well, I'm Those glad to hear that that story had a happy ending. Yeah, yeah, for right? sure. Yeah. yeah, and the moral of the story is, I guess, cage your race cars. Yes, cage your race cars. That was a that was actually a requirement from my husband in order to buy an MR2. He's like, dude, you saw what happened to him. Right. You have to put a cage in this car to own it. And I was like, I 100% agree. You don't have to tell me twice. So it is fully caged to meet, you know, SCCA and NASA spec. So awesome. It's, it's a pretty good car. Yeah. It, it, I, I think to kind of loop back to what you're saying about like, yeah, you know, like this kind of stuff happens in racing. I think it is a good uh, example of like making that like daily driver race car separation. Right. Like in and being able to do that, obviously, we're very fortunate to be able to to make those kinds of separations to have multiple vehicles. Right. So absolutely, you know, gratitude is first and foremost, but like the overall stress reduction in your life, like when you are able to make that decision. Right. Yes I, and no. <laughs> um, I mean, when when you have kind of a you know, more of a street class car or a lesser prepped car. Um, you don't generally have to worry about quite so many things. Um, there's a little bit less breakage involved when you do have a car that's prepped to a higher class and therefore is usually not a street car. So you have that split between your daily and your race car. Your your race car becomes a lot more painful. Um, just, you know, mo' mods, mo' problems. Mo' money. Uh, yeah, yep, mo money for sure. And, you know, I had a gentleman call in today at work who has recently bought a, a Cayman and is thinking about, you know, he's like, well, I want to have it daily, but I want to do some racing with it too. And I'm like, you're going to discover sooner or later that a split here might be a good idea and it should be better to devote that car as a race car than, you know, try and have your cake and eat it too. So, but yeah, it's, you have to be very thankful to be able to do that. Not everybody can. But there's also, you know, there's people out there, you know, we've seen people at autocross who have less money in their entire car than some dudes have in their tires. Right. Right. So it's, and that's kind of the beauty of, you know, grassroots motorsports of all kinds, as you see, you know, all, all levels of cars and it's really yeah. cool that way. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I will say like that, like that race car and then having the daily, I do mm -hmm. want to talk to you about the rest of your fleet because you yes. own an Alpha as well. Mm -hmm. That is my daily driver. Okay. Um, I, yes, I have a 2018 Julia Q4 Ti Luso. You know, you can just tag so many names on the end of these things. Um, but yeah, you can kind of see it barely in the background of the photo of the MR2's rear, but. It's, you know, I've had no issues with it so far. I've had it since last September. Okay. And I actually shouldn't say necessarily that I've had no issues with it whatsoever. Um, <laughs> There's been a couple of spun rod bearings. <laughs> no, 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 no. That was the MR2. Um, but no, I mean, just, just some real, like, little tiny stuff, you know, just kind of, um, like, evaporate codes, things like that. So nothing that I would really consider to be heartbreak and torment and i was i was thinking about it like a you know kind of running through things in my head in anticipation of doing this podcast tonight i was driving home and i'm like well i mean it has its things there's a lot that all italian cars not all systems can be functioning at one time right. it just they can't it's it's one of those <laughs> things and i was thinking about it, i'm like well kind of the driver's side 
dash air vent. I don't get much air pressure out of that one with the air conditioning. So I'm like, I wonder if there's something sticking inside the dash. You know, I'm just kind of going through it in my head, but I'm just like, I kind of don't care. It doesn't really matter to me. I don't, I'm not a person who uses the air conditioning a lot. Um, I, I'm a lizard, basically. I enjoy the heat. <laughs> so I, yeah, I'm like, ah, but I don't really care enough to consider it a problem, whereas somebody else might call that a problem problem. So it's just, it kind of depends on your view of how a car should be operating. <laughs> Which I say as a person that is who the most the Italian like response to it, right? Like, I love it so much. Like, yeah. does the engine turn on? Does it make you smile? And then fuck off. That's all you need. That's right. all you need. Right. Yeah. I, right. We drove one of those, the, the two liter. Uh, the four banger. Yeah. yeah. The Julia on a, on a press thing. And it was great. It was, it drove super nice. Yeah. You drove it in the mountains and it was, it was great. Mm -hmm. But it was, it did have a feel of like, like they spent a lot of money on the driving dynamics, a lot of time and effort on the driving dynamics. Because they're amazing, amazing. Yeah, they, they were. It was it was really good, and it was really you could see what they put into it. And there was also an interior, um, and that was <laughs> yes, kind of there the is an yeah. interior. Yeah, it has like, one. Yeah, and it, like I think we counted. What was it? We counted like. Eight different, eight different fonts, like at least eight different fonts on the stuff on the inside. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to have to go through it. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. If you just look at the fonts on like the various screens and, and gauges and stuff, at least in the early models, it was striking how many different ones there were. And it was like, nobody went over this. <laughs> yeah. No, because it doesn't matter. Like, right. I mean, there, there was much ado made a while ago about how Alfa Romeo, like, I guess, you know, the head boss was like, we don't sell iPads with some car around it. We sell a car, you know? And I'm just like, yes, please. Thank you. I don't want to buy a car that happens right. to have a giant iPad in it. I, I don't, I ignore that screen a lot. I'm not an infotainment type person. I very minimally care if it's even operational, really. So, it's, I mean, does... Do I have sound coming out of the stereo? That's all I need some of the time. I don't need it all the time because I can just listen to the car as well. Um, so you purchased the right vehicle. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. you have. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm lucky to live in an area like we have some pretty good driving roads about depending on five to 10 minutes from my house. Um, so, you know, I can go back and play when I, feel like it and it's just it's really entertaining to be able to just take your daily driver out and just go be entertained by your car yeah on a street five minutes from your house you know that's, yeah. that's so cool. great yeah and i will say i've driven both the quadrifolio and the and the two liter with the four-wheel drive and I, I think honestly on a really tight road i the the two liter is tons of fun it's great mm -hmm. It's, oh, it's, it's fantastic. Really, really I have so yeah. much fun with it, especially after putting a good set of tires on it. Um, this is not a knock against Alphas. I should say this really applies to all cars, but whatever tires that they come on out of the factory, generally things the only the only things you're guaranteed to have is they're round, they're black, and they hold air, and you really only need two of those. So <laughs> at about, about 24,000, 25,000 miles, I had one of the tires crack. Um, oh, just wow. straight down the shred. 
So I was like, it still has plenty of tread on it. It just happened to crack. And the ones from the factory are Pirelli run flats. And I live you know, real close to a tire shop. So I just had tires sent to the tire shop and showed up and was like, hello, please put tires on my now slightly gimpy car. And I got good sticky tires that aren't crappy run flats. And it's fantastic. Yeah. So and I had I had the alignment checked on it obviously to make sure nothing was out of order and causing weird tire wear issues. And then the alignment guy we work with a lot um, at work, he's like, "Dude, this thing drives kind of freaking amazing." And I'm like, "That's why I bought it." Yeah. So it's, it's a great car for sure. That's so great. Yeah. Okay, so we've got the Mister Two, the Alpha. What's the story with the FD RX Seven? And uh, that's. That's actually my husband's car. He has two of them. Oh. <laughs> I saw both of your faces on the camera turn at the exact same time. That was kind of perfect. Um, but yeah, he has two 1994 RX-7s. The black one that you can see in the picture, that one was imported from Japan. It would have been about, geez, almost two years ago now. It's crazy to think about. Still has a rotary in it, of course. Um Pretty cool car, got to admit. It's as with all things rotary, a little bit more projecty than was necessarily <laughs> expected. We learned not to trust Japanese auction grading. Don't trust that at all. As it turns out, um, it was hemorrhaging coolant when it came off the boat. There was no mention of that, um, wow. and in, in some of the paperwork too. When after it was purchased, we saw like kind of they they release more paperwork to you. And we're like, this didn't, well, we think it started black and then it was white and now it's black again. And <laughs> the paint job was not very good in places. So there was definitely some kind of r repair of that one. And my husband was already kind of trying to do a little bit of like a spirit R. I hesitate to say tribute, but it was kind of his OEM plus type yeah. build and it turned out absolutely beautiful um but you know it's it's an rx7 it has its moments the other one is an american car originally and it is the village bicycle of boise autocross um it has an ls6 in it it has been owned by a few different people and it is now you know ours and that thing is it's a monster let me tell you no street manners whatsoever horrible <laughs> to drive on the street just creaks and pops and it breaks your spine and the seat is there's no padding left in it um <laughs> but it's it is a beast to autocross absolute beast oh, um, yeah. so it, it was it was run by a couple of you know pretty pretty good autocrossers previously in its history so that that car is really really fun and that was the first car i ever rode along in in an autocross and i'm pretty sure my nail marks are still in the passenger door <laughs> <part>. so, <laughs> so two, two cars there those are those are really fun um, that's amazing so. okay so what else what else is in the fleet yeah uh the rest of my husband's fleet he has um an sti it's a 2014 sti if memory serves but doesn't really have much much of anything done to it. Like it has a sway bar um, in the rear, you know. But otherwise, it's very much just a fun daily driver. Our daughter really adores it for some reason. I don't know, but she really, really likes it. Um, but yeah, that's that's just a fun little car. He bought it and then he sold it and bought it back. And now he's looking at selling it again. So, But my husband has car ADD. 
he's incapable of keeping them for more than like two to three years except for the rx7 um i'm pretty sure we will be burying him in the black <laughs> one so i don't think that one's going anywhere um okay. but awesome. otherwise you can't see it and because it's parked in front of the mr2 um but we do well we i he it's more mine than his but in any case um i have a 1976 launcher scorpion as well so oh super cool <laughs> yeah we gotta pull up a picture of one of those for the folks yeah yeah it's in there somewhere what color it's silver so okay, yeah. i get a lot of is that a delorean and sure. then people get really disappointed when they realize it's not a delorean <laughs> um but there are a handful of people yeah mine is very similar to that one um okay. just minus the thumbnail line on it it's otherwise very very similar um yeah uh, there's a handful of people when they realize what it is they get pretty interested in that yeah but people go is that a delorean oh never mind <laughs> so, <laughs> we took it to a show last summer and i honestly wish i'd had a whiteboard with tallies for how many people had walked up and dropped the delorean line okay, so, okay. it was fun for that and yeah. you know of course engine lid in the back opens sideways so it's like a big old flag sticking up in the middle of the field and that was kind of entertaining in its own right but it's it's a cool car it's a launcher so it is no matter what it will always be a project um it currently <laughs> needs a water pump which means i currently need to get time to put the water pump in the car other than that it actually it's pretty good um Probably needs a good carb cleaning. I think somebody ran some ethanol gas there at one point. It sat for about 18 years Whoa. before showing up at a dealer auction locally. Um, a friend of mine who works at a dealership, he messaged me. He's like, hey, this is out in Nampa. So I messaged my father-in-law who um, owns a dealer dealership here in Boise. I was like, hey, are you going out to Nampa tomorrow to look at any cars? Because I there's one out here I kind of want to look at. So I tagged along and here I am crawling around on the pavement at a dealer's auto auction in the rain in November. So freezing my butt off, you know, trying to surreptitiously kind of peel up the carpet in places to look for rust and things like that. Um, but it turned out the car was really, really, really nice. Um, and I got it for an absolute steal. Um, the wholesalers who had got it they got it twinned in a deal with a pickup that they really wanted and the guy who was selling it was like well you have to take this thing because i just want to clear out the garage so they took it it came with a spare transmission which i Ooh. think it's gonna need because i only have a few gears right now but <laughs> i mean you don't need all of your gears that's it's italian car things you don't really need all of them um but yeah so it's they just had no idea what it was it was listed backwards it was a scorpion launcher oh nice nobody okay. had oh. any idea and it doesn't have a reverse at the moment nor did it then <laughs> so and it wouldn't make the turn onto the test loop so we had to get out push it backwards to make the turn and everybody at the auction saw that was like nope not touching that heap and so we got it for a really good deal yeah i was gonna say you're not getting a lot of competition <laughs> yeah. right it, yeah. it truly it went from like we toyed with the idea of getting a scorpion to okay there's a scorpion in our garage like between finding out it was there and it coming home was less than 24 hours oh my god so it happened really really <laughs> fast 
Uh, car add and then, yeah yeah basically and then i also have a 1980 fiat x19 project which is a bit of a long-term project but it also dropped on my head basically it was given to me for free um it had been basically abandoned in a gentleman's carport and okay. he was like just get it out of here um it's very much like that orangish reddish one oh out there yeah the uh-huh yeah um but he, he was just like, get it out of here just as long as you don't crush it. And I was like, okay. absolutely. It's, that, that's the thing I've noticed in the fiat world. A lot of it is about just keep the cars going. Just do what you have to do to keep it going. Um, you know, in both the modern fiat world as well as the vintage fiat world, it, it seems to be a thing. So it was, I felt very lucky to have that just kind of land on my head. And I happened to have the engine from my crash to Barth laying around. And so slowly but surely said engine is going into the X19. And yes. oh boy, is it a tight, tight fit in there. <laughs> but yeah, so that's, that's the plan with that one. And it's... It'll so be interesting. I'm, I'm sorry. Really we're, we're, we're blowing through this, but like yeah. you have a hat trick of transverse mid-engine four-cylinder cars. That's yes. That's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of amazing. I'm not getting a Fiero. I'm drawing a line. I will not get a Fiero. Um, okay. I would love to have a 914. When I crashed, I did think about getting a 914 because my father had one when I was born. And I thought yeah. that would be kind of a nice little intergenerational because yeah. he, he passed away when I was very young. So I was like, mm. I thought it'd be cool for me to own one as well. But even a rolling shell of a 914 was like kind of yeah. painfully expensive compared to a rolling shell of an MR2. So yeah, kind of but backed I mean, away from that one. But you I could conceivably, with the size fleet you have now, get basically every transverse four-cylinder mid-engine car that has ever been created and have room left over. Like, you're only like a couple away, right? In theory, but it's for me, it's a matter of just kind of buying what's in my heart a little bit. Yeah. And I'm very lucky that what's in my heart tends to be cheap nuggets i yeah, guess i mean you have yeah. a tire <laughs> yeah <laughs> you do have a tire. So, yeah these are not pokemon I, I have, Ian. she doesn't yeah, need to catch have, them all yeah <laughs> i i certainly have a type and i you know i i love it what can i say it's it's so much yeah. fun it's such an interesting kind of niche to occupy yeah and i just kind of fell into it it just happened yeah that's yeah. amazing <laughs> I love that you're putting a 1.4 multi-air engine into an 81 Fiat. Well, we do plan to head swap it to a T-Jet, as is Fiat Um, You you can do such things because the engines are basically Legos. Whoa. Um, Okay. Yeah. So basically, on my on my Scorpion, um, somebody had previously swapped the head on from. I want to say it was a 1976 124. Um, so these, this is a thing with Fiat's. You can just kind of, they're huh. toys. You can swap as necessary how you want. I only have a partial build sheet. Um, so there's there's a little, it's definitely been in kind of some discovery going on. They said that, like the build sheet said that there was, you know, head work done. It didn't mention anything about being swapped. But I was cleaning it one day and obviously I looked up the casting number on it for fun. And I'm like, this is from a one, two, four. And I know it has some different cams in there as well. It has a perform- performance cams and stuff. So, but, wow. That is that's amazing. Been a 
Yeah, that's been a cool part, too, because um, in a Scorpion Facebook group, there was a guy who, you know, just goes through and he has tons and tons of photos of different scorpions and he posted these and he's like some car in the 90s in Boise and I'm like that's my car that's my car I did the Leonardo DiCaprio thing <laughs> um, number 203 I'm 203 <laughs> and so that was really cool to see and he had some additional information on the car that I didn't have so another great thing about you know Fiat Lancia I'm sure vintage alpha world as well um, you know people know the cars and they've been around the block Wow. And it's kind of nice in a way. So there was some additional information I was given that way as well. That's so great. That's so yeah, great. Yeah. Hey, I do, I do want to loop back a little bit to motorsports, right? Because yes. obviously that is very near and dear to your heart. Like how did you initially get exposed to autocross? What was your entry point into being a person that drives the cars at the thing? <laughs> you know? So... So originally, when, when I was living in Colorado, um, we were living on Cap Hill, Wash Park, kind of in those neighborhoods, didn't really have access to a garage or anything. Um, so that wasn't really something we could do. My husband did have a 240SX that twice somebody tried to steal it off the street. Uh, we lived at like first in Ogden. So somebody mm. tried to steal it twice off the street there in one week. That was pretty cool. They broke off a skeleton key in the door and then broke off a skeleton key in the ignition. Um, but it had extremely bald tires. I have pushed it off of many curbs in the snow. Um, but so never really raced or anything, but we would, you know, sometimes he would take me up in the, the canyons and play around a little bit. And I was like, this is, this is pretty fun. Then when we moved up here, um, pretty much the first thing you did, cause that was when the blue RX seven first showed up, um, the LS six car and he took that out to autocross cause he had done a little bit as a teenager in his Corvette and took me out on some runs and I was like, okay, I can get down with this. This is really fun. Um, it was the last event of the season, unfortunately. So the next spring I showed up in a Fiat 500 pop oh. at my first event. <laughs> Nobody realized that it was unclassable. So <laughs> I ran that for one and a half events until Papa McVeigh, our local main safety at the time was like, uh, this is unclassable. So next time you show up, you have to have a different car. And that was not exactly a problem because my husband at the time had an E46 M3. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's basically like if you wean a baby off of like formula or breast milk directly onto Jägermeister. Yeah. It's basically <laughs> what happened. Um, it was really, really fun. But I'll admit, I never necessarily really clicked with that car. It was an SMG car, which might have something to do with it, of course. Um, not to talk down on SMG cars, but it's just, you know, it is what it is. Not necessarily great for autocross. Um, but it was definitely something that was really fun and I really enjoyed. And it was when you move to a new city, it was kind of a ready built friend group to jump into. So it was nice from a social aspect as well. Um, yeah. So finished out the season in the M3. And then at the start of the next season, I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that again. And that's when my 500 pop turned into an Abarth. And okay. I got started on that. Okay. Yep. That's so amazing. it was just. He introduced me to it and it just kind of, you know, picked yeah. up really quickly that. And then so. the jump to hill climb, like. Yes. Um, there, there's sort of a gentleman's agreement here. So I, I run with the Northwest Hill Climb Association, I should say. Um, and there's kind of a gentleman's agreement that you have to have some experience, either autocrossing or track 
before you can do a hill because it is absolutely very dangerous. Yeah, um, sure. You know, it, and I learned that at my first event. And yeah, they, so you do have to have some experience with it. And I don't know. It was just really, really fun. And there is nothing like it. It's it's racing driver crack, basically. Once you do it, you cannot stop doing it. It is it is amazing. Um, <laughs> I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated with hill climb. I think it's really yeah. cool. I really want to get do to, it. You get to the top and your hand is just doing this. Like you can't even get your water bottle to your mouth. You're, you're just shaking so bad from it. And just like... I can't even really describe it effectively. And I'm not even one of the fast ones. Like I'm, you know, not, I'm not slow, but I'm also definitely not one of the fast people. And some of the people who are whipping up the hill in ridiculous times, it's pretty cool, but it's also one of those things where you just expect people to crash. It's kind of like circle track in that way. Um, right. Somebody's going to go before the day is done. And I've been to, I've been hill climbing, what, like six years now, and only one event that I've been to did not require use of the record to at least pull somebody out of a bush. Um, there was one I went to at Mary Hill, which is right on the border between Oregon and Washington, like right before you get to the Dales. Um, and somebody sent a Camaro off the edge and I believe the fuel tank ruptured was what they found. And it ended up lighting a third of the course on fire. Oh my God. Luckily the gentleman was okay. Um, he was shaken up, but they were able to get him out in town before everything started really catching on fire. Um, but you know, it's like, it was like September in a dry grassy area. Oh, and no. you guys know how that game goes. Um, right. It went up pretty quickly and it was, pretty obvious within minutes that there were not enough fire extinguishers on the entire hill to take care of it so obviously had to call in some wildfire help Holy on that one cow. the gentleman who was also on my station he was a firefighter on his day off so he was able to pretty quickly call buddies and be like hey guys we kind of got a situation <laughs> Um, oh yeah, let me just hop in the group chat here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let me get in the Slack chat. Yo, bros, can you like come to Mary Hill? Um, Bring the usual it, stuff. <laughs> it was interesting because I my station was like two down from the top, and I was so I was above the fire, and it reached the road pretty quickly. And we're like, uh, are we going to be able to get down from this? How do we get out of here? And there was an extension from the basically the upper pits area to the, over to the highway. But this was a road that hadn't been touched in like 20 years. Like, no, it's been locked off. Mary Hill is completely private. Um, it's owned by the Art Museum there, which is very lovely. If you ever in the area, you should probably stop by. Um, but so it's been completely locked off. They cut the locks on it and took the worker bus up over this route along with several of the race cars. These are hill climb cars, they are not rally cars. And all of a sudden they had to compete and rally. There was one car, there was a Corvette that put a hole in the oil pan <laughs> going up and over. Um, but yeah, the bus was pretty scary because it was swaying pretty good, but it was like, you know what? I mean, we just have to get out of here. It's on fire, what are you gonna do? So going up and over and then I was, with a friend of mine on the bus and we you know just started making a plan of how to get his car back to his campsite 
get him back, get his truck, pull everything out, you know? So just running back and forth using my Abarth to shuttle between his camp, race car, truck, all that fun stuff. Everybody got out okay. Um, and they still somehow allow hill climbs at Mary Hill. Don't ask me, but it's awesome. Wow. So that's it's crazy. that's really fun. But that's the only one I've seen light on fire. Knock on wood, that doesn't happen again. <laughs> but yeah, people crash, things happen. Couples of spun rod bearings, couple of fires. Yeah. There was even that, there was another time actually that the MR2 um, died on the dyno. It was the first time it died. And it was, I was, I was there watching and basically the oil filter relocation kit on it, a piece, a coupling vibrated apart oh, no. and it just starts pouring oil. Oh God. And I'm, I'm crouched down at the time, just kind of looking and, you know, it's on a dyno, so it's a little bit higher up and I just see gold pouring out underneath oh. the engine. I could barely even scream. I'm just like, hurry, hurry, got it, got it. Oh my <laughs> but that, God. that was another one of those moments where like your soul is kind of leaving your body. Uh -huh. um, so like I said, the MR2 had a bit of a difficult birth. <laughs> but it's it's fun. It was worth it. It yeah. was worth all the pain. And it continues now, to be worth any pain. I wanna I wanna highlight something that Dave pointed out because I think he's <laughs> on to something here. Is that the there <laughs> You're you you have displayed to us very just obvious optimism, right? Like, I mean, you a couple of spun rod bearings, it's a reliable engine. <laughs> you're not like the glass is half full, you're like, I filled up the glass, I, I have like an extra gallon. In. I got a glass and a half, motherfuckers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> you know, the course caught on fire, it's still my favorite sport, you know. <laughs> But I just want to, because the, the people just listen to this on audio only as well. But your your Twitter profile, your, your the first uh, thing in your bio is race car goth, and yes. I just I love the intersection already of mm -hmm. race car and goth, and that that Venn diagram. It's a pretty <laughs> narrow one. intersection already, and then if you add optimist in, I feel like that's an even a narrower intersection which is yes and no um i think back to back home this was many years ago a friend of mine who has since passed away um we went out to a club there denver has a surprisingly nice goth scene as it turns out I um i got kind of spoiled on that one um so we went to a goth night and he was a normie um, so a normal gentleman, I guess, in the parlance. Um, but he, you know, wanted to go. So he was like, okay, cool. And we've been to, you know, plenty of other normal nightclubs in Denver. And this, you know, we were hanging out in the clubs probably something like 07 to 2012, that neighborhood. So when dance music was really big and Denver was one of, you know, the cities for it, strangely enough. And he was like, I have been to a thousand club nights in normal clubs and everybody is sort of miserable a lot. They're escaping things or they're just, you know, drama's happening. They're miserable. And then you go to a goth night and everybody's happy. Everybody's right. in their sort of in their zone and just enjoying it. And it really struck him how it was opposite to how he would expect and i've i found that in the goth community in general a lot people you know much is made about the darkness and the sadness and the <laughs> suffering and the this and the that and you know we all sit around listening to the cure or whatever which people forget there's a lot of really joyful stuff there too 
Right, right. And with goth music in general, there's, and it's, it is definitely a music club based subculture. Um, it's not necessarily about fashion that much when you really come down to it. It's, it's there, but it's much more about the music and culture, literature, things of that nature. There's a lot of joy to it. There's the way I like to describe it is you couldn't enjoy the beauty of the stars at night if it wasn't for the darkness. And I, I see that a lot in life in general. There's a lot of darkness and terrible, terrible things in the world, but there's a lot of beauty too. Um, And when you have that really, that dark background to cast the beauty against, you see it that much more. So, you know, well, and I, ha- I think I have some, I have a couple thoughts. One is to tie your story you just told to car culture, which I think is a good one. And then I have some, some slightly teasing things to say about goth culture. So the first one, the first one, the first thing though is that you mentioned like the, the, uh, the joy of being at a goth night, and I, I feel like that's you could kind of tie that into being um, in. Uh, at a track day or something like that where like normally in my life i'm not doing 100 miles an hour and you know going around this corner as fast as i can and this is my escape from that whereas you know um i'd like a normie club night would be like you know they're they're going to an indeterminate escape right that they don't know what the escape is going to be but you know, with a track day or a goth night, it's very like, oh, I know that this is what I like, and this is what's going to yes. help. Yes, absolutely. Right. Yeah, definitely um, agree there. And before Ian makes fun of goth culture, <laughs> before he teases you, I do want to, I do want to make a correlation with what you said about like the the beauty. We wouldn't have the beauty if it wasn't for like the darkness or or having these things in. Uh, contrast to one another makes the beautiful things even more so, right? And I, I, through, through what like your experiences in car culture, like a thing that you posted on Twitter really like really impacted us, and we love it so much. It it was you talking about when you took your daughter your race car to your daughter's STEM science day at school, and like seeing your car and like. Uh, other, uh, you know, kids experiencing your car, like stuff like that. So could you, could you please tell the listeners about that experience? Cause it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It it really was. Honestly, it was, it was a wonderful sort of thing. Um, So I took my car to an elementary school STEM evening. So there was, you know, all sorts of kind of things set up. There were a lot of local sort of science-based businesses. Um, you know, I think there was like the local wildlife foundation or something. There was a lot of stuff there. Um, there's a really cool place in town. It's a store called the Reuseum um, that has all sorts of weird nerdy stuff basically that you can throw together old electronic bits, art stuff, you name it, they have it. It's a cool place. Um, they had some stuff set up. They had, you know, paintings and just all sorts of really cool STEM stuff um, that was put together by the community. And when I got the email that, hey, does anybody have anything like your business, anything like that? I was like, well, I have a race car, which is just a rolling chunk of STEM when you think about it. It's all science, technology, engineering, math, and of course, of course, art as well. Um, You know, you think 
obviously in making it look pretty, but also fabrication has a lot of art in it as well. Um, so I was like, yeah, sure, I'll take it, sign up for it. And they plonked me right out in front of the school. <laughs> it's like the first thing when people came in. And it was really cool to see a lot of kids being exposed to this for the first time. Funny, One of the funny ones is one of the kids is like, where's the Prindle? I'm like, so what, what? Where's the Prindle? You know, the thing in the middle. Oh, P-R-N-D-L. I don't have one of those. This is a manual transmission car. Uh, so, you know, getting to explain that. And I, I pulled out um, sort of in the middle of the MR2, the armrest center console piece. I pulled that out. My best friend has a carbon fiber one. So I borrowed his as well and used it as kind of a display for how materials um, in racing are used you go for the lightest possible. That's so it was just, it was yeah. a good example of the difference between, you know, just a stock piece and a piece specifically for racing, a carbon fiber piece. Um, so, you know, that was kind of fun to do and just messing around and kids were just crawling in and out of it. Eventually, like I turned the battery switch off because they discovered the pop-up headlights. Uh. Like, <laughs> so kind of quietly turned the battery switch off, but, you know, letting kids crawl through and everything. And there, there was this one little girl, she was probably like first grade or so, I'd say. And she, you know, was just sitting in the passenger seat just kind of interested in it and there's there's a little boy in the driver's seat just going wild at the time so she was being a little steamrolled with it and so i was just answering questions for her you know and she was like is this your car it's like yes this is my race car and her face just lit up sorry <laughs> no it's so amazing right yeah it, it really was um her face just completely lit up and you can see that moment where she was like i could do this this could be me. Right. And it was really just this, this truly amazing moment where I was like, damn, this is powerful in a way. <laughs> Sorry. I'm no, it's beautiful. But yeah, it really was. Um, I have no idea who this kid is. She ran off and played with her friends, you know, and all that. But it was, it was that moment where you just see a door kind of open. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if she ends up racing and I don't know, maybe she'll be the first formula one female driver, this, that, or the other, or, you know, whatever the case might be with that. But just to see a little girl realize that there was, <laughs> sorry, an opportunity where she didn't necessarily see that there was one before. Right. <laughs> yeah. And you know, she, she may not even ever get into racing or even know when yeah, she gets into racing. Exactly. And that's the thing. It was just a kid seeing an opportunity where she didn't know there was that before. Right. And that well, was, and, and the, the, the like yeah. extrapolation from that is like huge, right? Like, cause yeah. anytime someone tells her that she can't do something, she's going to be like, well, no, that's bullshit. Well, yeah, right? I, I, I can do that because, you know, I saw somebody doing something really weird once upon a time. And, you right. know, we all have those moments where we remember as a kid where somebody kind of opened a door for us. Yeah. And even if it wasn't something that wasn't a path that we ended up taking, we saw that those doors can open. And it kind of, you realize that. Right. And it was, it was a moment where I got to give that to someone else. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, I think about it and it just, it really like, it touches your heart a little bit. So yeah i'm a dork i know but no like, you're not no it, like on top of everything like the misogyny of motorsport like all like there's uh, so many like barriers that 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 people face anyway mm -hmm. right like so so like not just from like just breaking down like 
or opening the eyes of you know this little girl that like something like this is possible like it's it just has such an incredible context it is so far reaching into aspects of the culture that need to be corrected that need to just die off right and i feel, I feel like we don't we don't necessarily we always see that like oh well there's misogyny in motorsports and car culture and this and that but we don't see the we don't realize the beauty of how far we've come right you know there even like just historically you know you look back to like janet guthrie and people like that where yeah it was a woman in motorsports decades ago we don't think about that now because everybody just goes oh danica patrick girl race car person thing that's what the vast majority of people think of right and it dates so much farther back to that um i can't remember her last name i want to say it was dorothy Oh, I can't remember her last name to save my life, but way, 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 way early. This would have been in 19-teens, 1920s, somewhere in there, I think. She ended. She accidentally invented the rearview mirror. That's the one thing I remember, because she would hold up a hand mirror to see what was going on behind her. Yes, but, I've read about this, yes. Yeah, and she, she like, kind, kind of silly, because she, she kind of did end up sleeping her way into a race car. Um, so, kind of gloss over that but uh, whatever but in any case she ended up racing and it was kind of sad because she had her few years and just kicked all sorts of ass and then really just disappeared and died anonymously you know when she wasn't even very old and yeah. it's just been forgotten parts of motorsports and I think people forget about that. People don't realize that, especially women, they think they come out to an autocross for the first time and think it's all going to be guys and it's scary and stuff. But there's actually a really good community of women out there. Um, you know, there's there's trans people of all kinds who are racing, you know, non-binary folk. We have, you know, a girl who recently transitioned who's started racing here locally as well, which that was really cool to see. You know, I'm like looking at the subs and I'm like, wait, uh wasn't that wait this because this was you know a racer's son who came up that way originally like everybody knew this as this this person as this guy's son and then all of a sudden i'm looking at the stuff so i'm like wait a minute he has a daughter oh right okay okay yeah. cool. just now you're that guy's daughter and you don't even think about it so there's i i think there's more and more acceptance and people don't necessarily realize it's always there until they come out and race and realize that yeah you will find women on course tons of women you will find lgbt people of all stripes all different genders you name it nowadays and not enough is said about that not enough is said that yeah there are people out there who are women who are you know trans of all forms who are gay lesbian you name it everybody's out there competing in motorsport and it's really cool like i think it's it's amazing that that's there but nobody really talks about it it seems like but you know except when you're actually looking for that you know if you are out there looking for like out motorsports things like that if if you are lgbt and looking for that community specifically then yeah but you walk into it and you don't realize it's there and it is it's like come on guys yeah of course women have always been involved in motorsports there have always been lgbt people in motorsports just you didn't always realize they were there right. and now yeah. people are realizing that more so that's cool well Not and it kind of highlights the thing of that i think about a lot which is that you know um gatekeeping in any sort of hobby is 
the, the most silly because you have such an obvious shorthand, right? Like yeah. any two car people can, even if they're from, you know, one's an off-roader and another one is a track rat, you know, you can very quickly develop a pretty quick you know, shorthand and, and, and sort of like immediate rapport, no matter who you are or what like sort of subgenre of motorsport you're, you're involved in. Like it's such a quick thing that it makes like worrying about other people's identities strange. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and, or, or even like to, to filter your, um, you know, the thing that, that happens a lot is, you know, like, like the little girl being surprised that it was your race car. Right. Like, like that in the context of the hobby seems pretty silly. Right. Like, like we all all see kids, you know, running around boys, girls, nobody even thinks about it. And, but there's, you know, an entire world outside of cars. I know it's shocking. What What is this now? (laughs) Yes. Believe it or not, there is a world outside of cars. And sometimes when the car world bleeds over into the normal world, you know, it can kind of surprise people a little bit. But, you know, and I mean, it's throughout car culture in general. Like we have we have a little Fiat family, as I call it. Um, It's a group of friends and I and like in a couple weeks here. A bunch of us are meeting up in Las Vegas because the youngest is we're celebrating his 21st birthday. And, you know, we always we I always joke that he's my fiat son. He's my gay fiat kid. Um, but, you know, sometimes <laughs> it's nice to have an additional mom who isn't actually your mom that you can kind of run things past, especially a mom who's, you know, because I, I mean, I'm bisexual, so I don't I don't even think about it. It's like acknowledging the existence of my left arm. I'm like, okay, it's that's part of me. Cool, whatever. But, you know, it's nice to have somebody who's into the same cars, who understands kind of the community that you're in on another aspect of your life. Because nobody in cars and racing, we don't actually go out to like, I don't know, meet the loves of our lives usually. Mm-hmm. Um, it's unless the love of your life is a car. And let's face it, a lot of us have that. Um, but just from an interpersonal standpoint, you know, you're not exactly going out to like find your next date. And uh, everybody has these aspects of their lives that they don't realize. And then you come together and have a little fiat family. And it's cool that way. But you see that with like gaming and stuff a lot too. People who don't live in the same towns or whatever, and they all somehow end up as a little family and then every once in a while they meet up and things like that so it's the same way with car culture and with fiat culture especially everybody's kind of a little bit of a family so that's awesome that's so great yeah yeah Yeah. oh andrea it's just so it's so nice to talk to you tonight we're so thankful (laughs) for you and and for what you're doing Yeah. yeah yeah um if, uh, if people want to hear more about your hill climb adventures, yeah, other things you got going on, where, mm. where do they find you? Um, mostly I'm on Twitter um, at Neon Dancer, which funny story, it's a Mark Almond lyric. But anyway, completely <laughs> car unrelated. I've been on Twitter for like 13 years, so it kind of predates all that insanity. Um, yeah, at Neon Dancer. Um, if you want to find me on Instagram, I'm TinyScorpion44. If you want to find me in Boise, you can usually find me at Autocross. Um, you can also find me at the local, you know, 
German Mercedes Porsche mini <laughs> BMW shop that I won't name, but it's really obvious who it is. Um, if you are in Boise, you probably know us if you have one of those vehicles. And if you do, if you have a mini, I will likely be the one committing it to the grave if it's broken. So <laughs> that's where you can usually find me. Um, sometimes at the grocery store. Apparently you can find me there too. Random things like that. Yeah. Wherever. <laughs> Dave, yeah. if people enjoyed all of this what should they do oh man uh, just subscribe to us on youtube yeah just do that uh if there are other maniacs out there with vanity license plates that you happen to get a picture of please text them to 720-515-1391 or slide into our twitter dms with those pictures like a weirdo yeah either one they slid, they slid into my dms and that's yep. how i ended up here. Yep. that's how this happened yep. <laughs> yeah we're known to do that yeah um Andrea, this was great. Thank you so much. Yeah. Dave, you're fine. <laughs> Everybody, we love you. Goodbye. You're pretty cool too, Ian. Let's let's just say Ian, well done. You well done leading all of this. So yes. Um, gentlemen, it has been a pleasure. <laughs>